Hi, I'm Melody Hilton. And I'm Joel Hilton. And I'm Katie Stansfield. And welcome to another episode of Life Exchange. We are happy to have you with us. <laughs> so are we after Christmas on this one? Or yes. Okay, so I, Happy New Year. Yeah, we're after Christmas. We record a little bit ahead, so we're always trying to keep track of our schedule. But yeah, Happy New Year. It's definitely <laughs> January when you hear this. <laughs> So how Actually, long does it, is it definitely? <laughs> I forget at this point, you know, the holidays jumble everything up. I was just wondering how many people are still keeping their resolute. New year, yeah, <laughs> they're resolute in their resolutions. We have faith in you. <laughs> there are no questions about resolutions today. It's like, I'm going to diet. And then at work, people are like, hey, we brought in donuts. Well, <laughs> yeah. maybe tomorrow. I don't know. Well, New Year's is a Sunday this year, so we don't get that whole like, well, I'll start next Monday because the second is a Monday. You know how it's always like, well, yeah. after the next, but you, you can only start a new habit on a Monday. Well, you don't, you don't well, get any extra yeah, leeway. I'm, I'm kind of OCD with that. It's like it, <laughs> it needs to land on an even day or, <laughs> well, yeah. next week. Yeah. So maybe in like February, we'll get all these questions about motivation and habits. Well, <laughs> well, I said about bringing donuts into work, but that doesn't happen here. I, Only at I, I hope I don't throw you under the bus, but there's times where there's like candy at church left over and the bags on your table. Oh yeah. And it's not a I'll come in, I'll be like, um, okay, there's half the bag. And then <laughs> on Monday you come in and it's full. <laughs> and I mean, your kids know I have a stash of candy in my office just for his kids. And they know that if it's chocolate, it's not going to last. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not going to make it to them. Yeah. But yes. All right. <laughs> I don't make resolutions. <laughs> you are resolute. Yeah, Every I was going to say you are resolute. <laughs> resolutions make resolutions about you. Well, resolution is like a promise you make to yourself. And so if you break that resolution, then it, it causes us not to trust ourselves. So I just don't make resolutions because if I make a promise to myself and I break it, that's harder on me. So she's and, giving you a, a, a reason to not make a resolution. Yeah, you just make a decision. I'm giving my best today and take one day at a time. When you said that, I thought, man, I do not trust myself at all. <laughs> <laughs> I need to start trusting myself more. Yeah. There's so much psychology we could go into, but yeah. we'll keep it light and fun. And we're not, this yeah, isn't, this isn't even a question. <laughs> so happy new year, everybody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, we have three very different questions. I think every episode we start out before we hit record and we're like, oh, maybe this will be a short one. And then it's always a long one. So I think this might be a short one, but time will tell. So our first question, possibly of the year, I'm not really sure at this point, but uh, the first question of today is, I tend to have strong opinions about everything. When is it okay to compromise? Oh my. <laughs> I, I think of the people that do life with you. I'm like, ooh, I feel for them. Oh. Because if you have strong, strong opinions opinion about everything and you're wondering whether you should compromise or not, I'm like, ooh. Yeah. I guess it just depends. Like, are we talking about like breakfast foods or like, are we talking well, about Well, they said everything? strong opinions about everything. everything. 
They have a strong opinion about the question. (laughs) I have strong opinions about everything. Yeah. I would wonder what the relationships in that person's life look like if they have many of them. If that only comes out in with certain people, yeah. if that's everyone all the time. Like I do know people who are like that, who honestly don't have a ton of people in their lives just because they do have those. A lot of people can't fit into their life because they have... Yeah, so they're strict. just happier, at least for a while, happier. Yeah. Well, I will say <laughs> that... We all have strong opinions on practically everything. But if we see ourselves superior yeah. in that process, that's How where we get How strong are into, we talking about? Is yeah. that what you're saying? Or if we see ourselves like my opinion is superior to yours yeah. rather than just saying, yeah, I have a strong opinion about this and so do you. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean we have to be divided. That doesn't mean uh, we have to agree, but we're going to honor each other in this process of our strong opinions. Yeah. And so as long as we're not uh, seeing ourselves as superior or better than them, or we're always right, they are always wrong. Um, I think we can hold fast to our opinions and our beliefs and our ideas and all those things. I think it's important, however, to have the right attitude in how we convey that. Because my goal isn't out to try to change somebody else, but I want to be secure in my uh, beliefs, in my opinions, and my ideas because they literally shape the trajectory of my life. And usually our opinions come from our purpose and, and our calling and our gifting and our life perspectives. So it's not necessarily wrong or right. It's just different. Yeah. I like that piece about attitude. I don't know that I really thought that, but because that does make all the difference. Like I know people in my life who are that, like like it's such a strong conviction to them that they cannot compromise and therefore it kind of isolates them. But I have other people who have very strong convictions and are very passionate and very vocal about those opinions, but they have people in their lives with drastically different mm-hmm. convictions and opinions and and they can live with that, mm-hmm. with that um, dynamic of difference, and st- and uh, and still, everyone feels like they can come to the same table, which is a real gift to be it, able to have it's a that gift. Conviction. And I think it's also health because if I become my opinions, my identity is wrapped up in those opinions. Then I'm kind of setting myself up. But if I recognize that because of my convictions, of my opinions. Because see, convictions, I I can have a lot of opinions and I can, you know, be flexible on those things. Mm -hmm. But I have convictions that are established inside of me that if I violated them, not telling you that you have to have my convictions, but if I violate them, then I can't really live with myself. Because yeah. I've done something or said something that goes against who I believe God's called me to be, who, you know, I'm designed, uh, what I'm designed to do, those type of things. So I, I, I 
want to. Well, what would you say to a person that views everything in their life in that category of massive convictions? And being superior? Well, a joke would be like, um, you know, in a marriage, like how you handle the toothpaste situation, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? And someone could be like, this is a right or wrong. Like my son is very much a right or wrong. Yeah. And I have to try to teach him like, like there is gray areas, you know, there are areas that shouldn't divide people. Like, what would you say to someone that everything in their life is this massive conviction that just causes division wherever they go? Well, if it's our way or the highway, we have alienated people and, and individuals that we could partner with and collaborate with that we are better together than we are separate. We have just cut off all balance to our life, all different perspectives from our life. And I don't think that's healthy for any individual. Um, my husband and I, we have the toothpaste tube thing. He has his tube, I have my tube. <laughs> and I well, squeeze it from the middle and he squeezes it from the end. And Aaron and I have that same issue, mm -hmm. but I view it as... <laughs> I reset the world. Like when she squeezes from the middle, oh, I bring just... it back into order. Okay. So it's more like we have the same tube, but I recognize that I'm making things right in the world again. I understand. There are some areas and in my life probably I do like, the same yes, thing. A tube that has like where I could just grab it and squeeze it. And I'm like, I got to fix this problem. And I, so it's kind of like a symbiotic, you know, yeah. it's, so that's how we worked it out. Well, that's a beautiful way because, I mean, there, there are some things that are important to me mm -hmm. around the house, and I don't require Stephen to do it the way I do it. I just might follow him after he's done <laughs> it to kind of tweak it to the way I want it. Well, the joke is, like, when we come over to your house, like, if you have a cup out, it might not be there when you come back. Yeah, because <laughs> that's that symbiotic... <laughs> Yeah, so we go through a lot about. of cups. We go cups. through a lot of cups. <laughs> I'm not as bad as I used to be. No, actually, that is true. <laughs> I've learned to say, it doesn't matter. I can handle it for a day. <laughs> I can handle it for a few hours. Yeah, yeah. And really, I can. Yeah. <laughs> when a, a couple years ago, it would bother me that I had to do the symbiotic thing. Well, that... <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. <laughs> Growth, progress. <laughs> but really, all joking aside, there are minor things and there are major things. The toothpaste tube is a minor thing. And if well, we that's let, what I was saying earlier. Some people make everything a major right, thing. Right. And that's where I think, I mean, at least that's how I took the question. So I kind of made a list of things when this could become a problem. Oh, good. So I'll go through the list, and then if you guys want to comment on those, and we'll go from there. So do your strong opinions keep you from growing? Mm -hmm. There you go. So is it my way or the way I see it, and that's it? Mm -hmm. Well, that's a problem. If your opinions are so strong that you're not willing to grow, mature, um, expand your thinking, well, that's a problem. Right, and that would be a reason to compromise. If and and the Bible says we all know in part. So if we all know in part, if we think we know it all, well, then you're going to stop growing. Exactly, exactly. So that's one of that's them. That's a good one. Um, 
do your strong opinions keep you from showing compassion? Ooh. Did you take my notes? No. I have the same exact list going. We'll see. If I know matches. that we make notes that we can <laughs> see them, but I very, yeah. very rarely look at them. There's nothing with you. You never see what I do. I no, never see what either I you do because <laughs> I do my notes first. <laughs> well, some people have strong opinions of how it should be done. Right. <laughs> Formatting. Oh, so are you unable to show compassion? So yeah. you think, well, what's wrong with everybody else? Well, that would be a problem in your relationships. You're going to alienate. You're going to isolate uh, because your way or the highway. I really, really like that one because if we can't value others, if we can't show mercy to others, if we can't be kind, those type of things, we've really put ourselves on the opposite side of the heart of God. Mm -hmm. yeah. Jesus functioned in perfect wisdom, right? Mm -hmm. He was perfect theology, and look how he treated people. Mm -hmm. Every time he was moved with compassion, what? He healed the sick. Mm -hmm. There was deliverance. His compassion motivated him to action. So we have literally sabotaged our ability to impact our world if we can't have compassion. Yeah. I like that one, Joel. So the next one. Do your strong opinions keep you from hearing the needs of those around you? Mm. So if you can't hear the needs of those around you, then you're, you're hidden behind the walls of like you were saying, superiority and ego. It's like, well, what I think is the way, and if you don't align with it, then your needs aren't important. And I'd be very mindful in your relationships to see because you will begin to ostracize and isolate, uh, and you might not even notice it until it's too far gone or until it's at a, a dangerous place. So mm -hmm. just being very mindful of how other people are being received by you because... Um, oftentimes there either has been communication and you missed it mm -hmm. or if that person just, they just submit, um, but they're slowly, their hearts are being slowly pulled in an, in an opposite direction because they don't feel like they can be heard or. Yeah. It's a scary thing if you. you notice indifference in your relationships. Yeah. It's like, well, if you notice it yeah. and if you don't, some, I mean, sometimes you don't notice it. I'm just yeah. trying, not trying to scare anybody, but you wake up and, and the person says, I can't do this anymore. And you're like, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so just being, just being aware and mindful of how it's affecting your relationships. Well, yeah. our opinions and our beliefs often have come from our experiential reality. It's like the story that we told ourselves, right? Yeah. And so if you don't see beyond an opinion, you might not be able to see a person's story or their reason why they carry that opinion. Uh, they, they could be a believer and have an opinion that's contrary to truth, but if we can't see why that opinion is there or that belief is there. Because the fact is we all have believed lies and we love Jesus, but we still believe lies. But to us, it's not a lie. To yeah. us, it's truth because of our experience. So if we can't see beyond that, we will not ever be able to 
discover the why of another person and make positive investments into them and just love them for where they're at and recognize we're all a work in progress. Yeah. Our opinions change. My opinions are different now than they were even a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> so... And a lot of those things we develop to either meet our own needs or to make us feel safe and secure. Correct. So, so like it might be so ingrained in us that mm-hmm. um, it has to be done this way in order for me me to stay safe or for me to um, feel that sense of control and not control in like a domineering way even, but just that sense of I have control of my life when maybe that other person is saying, hey, it doesn't have to be this way. You can let your guard down. You can change in this area, but it's hard when that's all you've known or that is what has given you that sense of security for a long time. Actually, I'm loving this question and the answers. (laughs) This is is really good stuff. (laughs) As you guys were talking and adding your two cents and the thought was, do your strong opinions not allow you to hear the needs of those around you. Mm -hmm. But I was thinking, you know, sometimes people use strong opinions as a device to get their own needs met. Most definitely. Yes. I am adamant about this because this is what is going to meet my needs. And it's putting the pressure on those around, around you to meet the needs that you have. Especially the person around you who has different needs and a different grid of, Mm -hmm. of experience. So, then trying to merge that mm-hmm. can be really hard. Yeah. Yeah. We often judge others through our own grid of reality. Most of the time. Most of the time. <laughs> Probably. Yes, exactly. So if but if we are, as you said earlier, if we are mindful of that, we can simply make a choice saying, I refuse to judge. I choose to see beyond this belief, this opinion, this reaction, this thing that has defined them. And look at the track record. Like, okay, maybe you want to hold on to your opinion so tightly because in the past when you changed it, something, there was a negative effect. Okay, well, look at the person in front of you. Look at that person in, in this relationship. Okay, what's their track record? Are they always compliant to you? Okay, well, that tells you something. Are they a person who um, is trying to manipulate you? Well, maybe they're not. Maybe that has been a past experience, but maybe this person, they're not trying to change you. They're simply having an opinion and a thought of their own that they're looking for some validation or some connection in. Um, And so just kind of taking relationship per relationship, I think the question was something like, when is it okay for me to compromise? Well, are you in a, is this a relationship that is telling you a different story than the one that you developed before? Because maybe this is a person who you actually can let your guard down or you can hear them in a, in a way that, um, they're not trying to change your mind. They're just trying to introduce a different idea. So like to me, that's one scenario where you can kind of look and say, okay, is it okay for me to compromise? Maybe not even, maybe compromise is too strong of a word at first, (laughs) but at least to listen, at least to receive a different narrative or idea or opinion. Does that make sense? 
Actually, there's two different definitions for compromise. One is coming to mutual concession. Like we're going to come to agreement. A win-win. Yeah, win-win. And uh, Win-win meaning you believe the same thing or no, win-win meaning you're just okay like, with yes, each other's? We're, we're coming to a co- uh, concession of saying, hey, I understand that part. You know, I understand why. I under, And yeah. you're just able to have dialogue and respect and honor for one another. And so our concession is mutual. Mm-hmm. We might agree to disagree. Have yeah. you ever said and that? And that's okay. really on a relational level. But mm-hmm. if you're trying to build something or create, like you're partnering with them for a purpose, right? win-win is also like, yes, I'm going to compromise this so that we can reach our goal. That's, That's what right. I'm talking about. The win-win is that we are reaching the thing that we're setting out to do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes both parties have to compromise to make that happen. Right. I just listened to a book or I'm finishing it and um, it's about a business partnership mm-hmm. and they kind of had this agreement that uh, when one of them said, this is really important for me, that was like a trump card that they could say. And it wasn't to try to get their own way, but it was communicating. So I This is really valuable to me. Mm-hmm. This is one of those areas I'm really going to ask that you consider. So it wasn't just about a power struggle. It was their way of communicating this is valuable to me and I'm asking you to hear it as valuable to me. And I would say that if you want win-win relationships in your life, you have to learn to compromise well. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it can be a negative thing to always compromise and always uh, just surrender to those around you. But I think it is a skill that you can work on to compromise well. So it is a win-win situation. Yeah. And I think you divided it really well because the other definition is accepting standards that are lower. Mm-hmm. And I can really respect your ideas and opinions on something, but I cannot compromise for myself, in my own decision-making, in my own love, I cannot lower my standards. Mm-hmm. Like there, there are things uh, that are a very big deal to me and uh, tongue-in-cheek, valuing every person. That's why I guess <laughs> I like this question is because I have to love and value someone so much that I'm going to honor our differences. Yeah. And so I am not lowering my standards at all. In fact, by uh, embracing other people's ideas and thoughts and beliefs that are different than mine actually allows me to follow my convictions, the things that I can't lower my way of thinking and living and loving and leading. And and so uh, we do not want to compromise when it comes to moral convictions. You know, we don't want to lower our moral bar of authority. But if we're really functioning in healthy authority, we are totally giving um, the the opportunity for all our differences to come together. So I think there's a difference. We make concessions all the time, but... We don't lower our moral standard. I can be around people who are drinking. I'm not going to be critical of them. Yeah. But hey, I was an alcoholic. You won't get a drop of alcohol (laughs) in this mouth and I'm not lowering those standards for anybody, right? And so it's something like that, but I'm not going to be critical of you if, if you 
think having a glass of wine well, is okay. that's a little different because that has to do with your own self and what you put in your body. But some opinions are what you're expecting other people to act like. Right. And I gotcha. Yeah, which is very different. And that's that really wouldn't affect us unless we are in relationship with or partnership with or exactly. working together yeah. with. Yeah. yeah. So let's, I have two more in this list and we can go through them quickly or just move on. But do your strong opinions keep you from having conversations that don't turn into debates? Mm, that's good. Where you're at a point where I must prove my point at all cost. Why? It's because I'm afraid of being wrong, right? Or whatever. Or you, <laughs> you just love being right. <laughs> you love being... <laughs> And I'm kind of on the opposite end of this. I have opinions and I have thoughts and I have perspectives, but I really don't think highly of, <laughs> I mean, not in a shame way. It's to like, yeah, I have opinions, but I, I'm not trying to force it upon anybody or, or, and it's kind of fun. Like, I don't know if it's in, the, in this set of questions, but we're going to talk about marriage things. But it's kind of like if you grew up in a family where everything was a debate, Mm. And and you thrived off of that. And then you marry someone that gets very emotional in conversation. That could be um, a difficulty, mm -hmm. yeah. right? And so if you're going to make the marriage work, your things are going to have to be tweaked, right? And so yeah. are your opinions so strong that any... It could be about the toothpaste. It becomes <laughs> a strong debate. Mm -hmm. um, I think that... That can be a problem. I and the last one is: Do you, or do your strong opinions keep you from enjoying life? There you go. That's good. Because if you have such strong opinions about everything, well, I think criticism is going to be in the forefront of your thinking, because mm -hmm. you look and say oh, it does not measure up. That's not good enough. It could be done better. This is how it should be done. And so what happens is judgment is around every corner. Yeah. Which is going to create or yeah. affect your worldview. It's going exactly. like you're going to see everything through that grid. Yeah. Which, I mean, if that's the life, if it's working for you in every area of your life, then it's working for you. But it, if it's not. That's funny because, <laughs> I mean, you could say if it's working for you and you you might be happy in your ignorance, but yeah. in that's, a sense, it's I mean. not I'm working like, hey, for you. I yeah. mean, if you're asking the question, there's some sense of awareness yeah. <laughs> that yeah. it might not be working in every area of your life. Yeah. But, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, I'll read a scripture about this, which I think really sure. is applicable in we'll, Romans 12. We'll, we'll allow that. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. um, Romans 12, 17 to 19. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Carefully consider what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible on your part, live at peace with everyone. Do not avenge yourselves, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay. God is in control. Yeah. It's, we can trust God in his heart to take care of those that's things. A, that's a hard statement to even say of um, like just leaving it in God's hands, like, well, because I'm like, we can think, well, if I don't correct them, mm -hmm. then they are doomed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I mean, maybe, maybe not. I, <laughs> but 
Well, I add a scripture as well. Are, are we allowing wow. two? Yes, yeah. we are allowed, allowed two. Two scriptures? <laughs> two, two scriptures. Well, when we got this question, my first thought was Peter because Peter is like the, the disciple known for his strong convictions. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and Jesus loves the passionate. He Peter was one of the three that was, you know, in Jesus' inner circle. So I love that. I love that, um, you know, Jesus is not like, hey, everybody calm down. <laughs> he liked he liked having that passion and the sons of thunder around him. But then I look at Peter where, you know, he, um, he does these acts of passion and then Jesus rebukes him. Um, and he says, get behind me, Satan. You don't know what spirit you're of. And he said, you're not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of man. Mm, there you and go. And I think that's, that oh, I is really it. helpful. As, um, but it's scary when people make the things of man, they the th- think that it's the things yes, of God. Which basically, <laughs> like in a blunt way, like you're making yourself God. Yeah. Yeah. Which can go back to like, you're making yourself judge. Um, but the, the scripture that you just read, the beginning of it, it, like live peaceable as much as possible, live peaceable with all men. It doesn't mean you're not supposed to have your, your convictions, opinions, mm-hmm. but there's so much in the new Testament of how to reconcile, um, this and in Ephesians four thirty one through 32, it says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Mm-hmm. And so just going back to, you're not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of man. So in your, um, like, this is the way that I have said it for myself, because I am a person who can have strong opinions. Um, not, maybe like not all like black and white. I see a lot of gray, but the way I've always said it is even in my strongest opinion, because I've made Jesus the Lord of my life, he reserves the right to change my mind. That is repentance. It's a changing of our mind. So even in my strongest conviction, he has to reserve the right to change it. And so when we're talking about having strong convictions, is it, Um, like he said to Peter, am I being mindful of the things of man? Am I being so mindful of my own opinion that I am being not mindful of his opinion in the matter? And so just really like kind of checking ourselves of, is this um, something that I have made a God in my life? Is this, have I made this opinion an idol or is this a conviction of the Holy Spirit? Which I know can be hard to know the difference sometimes if we've lived with it for so long, but um, this question is vast because it's an opinions in ev- strong opinions in everything. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think you have to look at spiritual things maybe a little differently than maybe practical things. Well, just the attitude, like what spirit of, yeah. is it of? So even yeah. if it's a simple thing, okay, is there bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor? Like, is there the spirit behind it that is, um, that is one that the scripture would encourage or discourage Mm -hmm. even in those little things like the toothpaste tube like okay are we getting are we flying off the handle over this well (laughs) like then whether you're right or wrong the spirit is still not on point (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah well i think the listeners really want to know because you brought up the toothpaste thing mom which one are you are you she already said oh uh, i missed it i squeezed from the middle middle I also squeezed I from the not middle. <laughs> I know you expected that. Yeah, no, yeah. Dad's the one that likes to roll it and have it perfect. So you believe in anarchy, is what yeah. you believe in? 
<laughs> they have their own tube. <laughs> we have our own. Actually, I got the kind of toothpaste tube that you can't roll. You know, it, it's the type of material that you Now, if you, you shared a tube it. and you bought that tube so that he can't roll it, that's a whole other yeah, power and, and if you squeeze, if, uh, if you squeeze it from the middle, it doesn't stay there. It just fills back up. Mm. So just to look at it from the outside, it doesn't look like I squeeze it from the middle. So I cover my sin. <laughs> <laughs> I am the person that like on the outside, like everything is in its place. Like everything is perfectly in order if you look at it. But if you open the drawer, like it's a different story. <laughs> so. It looks clean until you look under the rug. <laughs> Which is not indicative of my internal life. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, I, I also squeeze from the middle <laughs> really quickly i want to kind of answer the the last part of the question when is it okay to compromise and my thought with that is you probably compromise more than you think mm. and the truth is all of us make small adjustments to fit into our surroundings whether you get a new job it's or, so true like if you can't bend on anything if you can't have wiggle room on anything You'll be isolated. You're you're going to be angry at the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think to compromise well, it's going to lead to a happier life. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, I'm talking more on the practical sense. I, I thought of maybe a practical way that you could process through this is to make a list of essential things. Essential yeah. strong opinions. Your list of strong opinions now, if you are doing it on 10 font and you're on page three, <laughs> all right, that is not an essential list. I'm thinking maybe three to five things. It's kind of like that desert island question. You know, if you were deserted on a desert island, mm. what three things would you take or what wow. three things would you have? Like if you're like in dating language, it would be your deal breakers. Like mm. what are the things that are not, they're non-negotiable. There's no wiggle room. And if they're, that list is 27, yeah. 30, 40. <laughs> Nobody will ever measure up. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Or Waiting they'll put on a the, good act until. <laughs> yeah. Typically is the longer you go, the shorter that list gets. Cause you realize what's really important. <laughs> Not really on your important. 20 if date, you're like, well, you know what? I don't need that. He doesn't have to be French. Okay. He just, oh, gosh. <laughs> Essential would be like, we believe in Jesus. That might be a. Yeah. Yeah. But what I'm like, back to what you were saying, like, yeah, like kind of prioritize what, yeah. what, like objectively, if you can look, okay, what are these? And then when something comes up that, you immediately have that instinct of defending your conviction. Like kind of look, okay, where, what's the hierarchy here? Like, is this actually like a world shattering belief or, you know, maybe Heinz versus Hunts is not the end of the world. <laughs> tomato, tomato. <laughs> yeah. So. So I would say sit down, make the list. Okay, you can put 10 on there, but then try to whittle it down. Um, but I would say we make more compromises than we even realize. If we want to be in healthy relationships, even win-win situations, there is some level of compromise. Sure. Well. We're on to the next one, I think. Remember what I said about a short one? 
<laughs> you thought this was going to be a short one? Yeah, I did. A short episode. Did you have a strong opinion about that? No. No. <laughs> See, I don't have a strong Otherwise, opinion. Otherwise, you would not Some have compromised. I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> no. All right. Well, which question do we want to go to next? Uh, how about um, making big things out of small things? Okay. All right, let me get the right wording. Okay, so the question is, someone told me recently that I tend to catastrophize things. It felt, I was wondering how that was pronounced. I wonder I when like, you just said that, I was like, oh, he wants me to read it. Yeah, because <laughs> I was like, I do not want to <laughs> say that. How that do you word, say it? Catastrophize. Yeah, it's better that you said <laughs> it than... So someone told me recently that I tend to catastrophize things. It felt like an attack at first. Which I love that part. Yes, I love the self-awareness <laughs> in this question. Or the fact of people, I've been told that I make big things out of little things. <laughs> oh, the irony. And the irony of, I felt like it was an attack. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even catch that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, well, let me finish. I'm going to read the whole thing so that there's clarity here. Someone told me recently that I tend to catastrophize things. It felt like an attack at first, but now I think that they might be right. Why mm. do I see the worst in everything and what can I do about it? So again, love the self-awareness. Yeah. Right there in the question. <laughs> if I, if you're offended with me laughing at this question, <laughs> I'm laughing with you, not at you. Hopefully. <laughs> I think we make things so much bigger than they are because it's triggering something. Yeah. And uh, one way that we can, it says, what can I do about it, is become very aware of the trigger. Be aware of why I make this so big in my eyes when it becomes this huge uh you know, dominant thing, you know, before me. And um, uh, so I'm going to give a little formula here. Predictability equals preventability. That means when I'm able to predict the trigger, mm -hmm. okay, when that happens, when I'm triggered and I'm able to predict that, then I'm able to prevent it. So it, if when... I feel something getting so big in front of me and it's consuming my mind and I have these uh, negative thoughts bombarding me. When those type of things happen, when I can uh, recognize the trigger, recognize what brought about that trigger, that's the predictability part. So now I am aware and I can begin to prevent it from becoming such a mountain yeah. because I I know why inside of me, it had nothing to do with you or a situation or something external. It was something that touched that in me. And so I'm going to be able to prevent that when I'm very aware or, or mindful that that's what happens to me in this type of situation. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I actually love the way that this question was presented because... Um, firstly, it says someone told me recently. So someone spoke this. You have a good friend then. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, even if they said it like in frustration or whatever, yeah, yeah. That, that they were able to present this to you. And then the fact that you said at first it felt like an attack, but now like you actually received what they said. And I think 
when that happens, when someone calls something out in us and we have, um, revelation sounds like a spiritual term, but, and we are aware the light bulb goes off of maybe they're right. I think we can do two things right at that moment. One of them is to internalize that and take that as part of our identity, that Mm -hmm. there's something wrong or broken with me. And I don't think that that is really ever or rarely going to be productive when we receive that as something is wrong with me. No one wants to be around me because I do this. Well, that does not lead to a happy ending because you're just going to start isolating, not talking, like separating, hiding things, whatever. Or you can take that like, okay, the light bulb went off and now that is your place of power to where you can say, huh, it seems like they might be onto something here. Why do I do that? And then you begin this process or this journey of... Uh, of a change of behavior. Our brains are uh, flexible. What we have learned, we can unlearn, we can relearn, we can learn something new. And so rather than taking that as this identity label, um, this is your place of power. So just just to this person, like don't, don't say, oh, this is a hopeless thing and this is just the way that I am. No. Now that you recognize this, you can begin to change yes. these patterns. You can begin to address these um, these triggers or these habits that have been formed because typically the reason that we catastrophize, it, it's learned behavior over time. So either uh, it could have been trauma that taught us to do this to where we were just taught to react quickly. So that it's it's a lot of it's brain chemistry. You were Something happened, you reacted quickly. And so you just learned to do that over and over and over again. Or it could be that you, it was a nurture thing. Like you had a parent who was fearful of everything all the time and that was the way you were raised. So Mm. you developed that neural networking. So regardless of how it happened, it's that it's a pattern, it's a habit that has been developed to when something happens, you react really quickly. Your amygdala, your feeling brain takes over your thinking brain and you start spiraling out and, you know, and this behavior happens. And um, so it can be really easy to go there because it's a habit. So then it is like what you were saying of going, of starting to realize Okay, what when it happens? Okay, why did that happen? What was the trigger? What was the thing? Uh, and I think another practice in when you realize that you do this is to start journaling because what's in our head at the moment seems like the true real thing. Mm-hmm. But when we journal it, it gives us this really big kind of painful dose of self-awareness. So when we are in those big feelings and we write down what we think is happening, give it a day, go back to that journal and write down what was actually happening. Because you'll see differences in those stories. You'll see differences in the story that you told when your feelings were really big and in the driver's seat and leading the narrative to where a day later when there's been time, there's been reason, there's been process, situations have worked themselves out, then rewrite it and you'll be you'll be able to see. And like I said, this can be a really shocking, painful exercise because you realize the way sometimes that you are triggered and the way that your life is being lived in those moments is, is a, an exacerbated reality. (laughs) Um, And so then you can, it just helps you to be more mindful the next time it happens. Okay. 
let's let's bring in logic, let's bring in reason, let's not act so quickly, let's not speak so quickly. And and at the end of the day, what you would want is for those stories to to um, match up a lot better. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It does. For it's a long beautiful. time, so it's very very good, very very. Good. You know, I didn't have anything written down for this question because it. I couldn't relate to this question too much, just because. The song that goes through my head most of the day is that old song, Take It Easy, Take It Easy. <laughs> and so I couldn't necessarily relate, but in a in maybe a principal way of looking at this, it's like, are there things that you are doing that are feeding this? And you probably, you know, you, you said it in a better way, but it's kind of like looking at your life Am I contributing to this problem by the things I'm filling myself with? The, then I would say, stop feeding the beast, mm. right? Stop filling yourself with those things. And when that opportunity comes, just like with any habit or, or whatever, stop. Yeah. Stop doing it. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying when you consistently stop doing it, eventually... As you work it out, you stop feeding the beast. You stop doing the act of it. You don't let your mind run wild. Yeah. Eventually, it's going to come into uh, a correction or even more balance within your life. Uh, I believe that every person on the planet uh, has had this battle. Uh, I love in... In Corinthians, Second Corinthians ten, where it says the weapons of our warfare, we're all in a battle, right? Mm-hmm. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal; they're not of the natural. They're they're of the soulish. They're mind and our thoughts, um, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What is a stronghold? It is you know a compilation of lies or thoughts or experiences or reactions that come together that try to shape our uh, reactions and actions, you know, in any given situation. And I love, if you keep going down, it says, uh, casting down imaginations. Yeah. And any high thing that exalts itself against the obedience to Christ. So there is truth. And one thing that we have as believers is we have the word of God. And if we truly believe that God's word is true, that it is objective truth, I'm able to compare what God says and what my mind is saying. And be aware of that my mind is saying that. And there's a reason. We become mindful. All the things that you shared, Katie, the process is beautiful because that process is getting us out of our emotions of the moment. You've written that down. You go back the next day and now you're going to be able to look at it because the emotions have minimized. You're able to look at it through more of a grid of truth of reality, of what God says, and you're able to compare them. And the more you practice that that mindful practice, that self-awareness practice, yeah, this is what's happening to me when I overreact and my emotions take uh, the driver's seat, I yeah. believe you said. And uh, But if I just, just at that moment refuse to make any major decision, I give myself time 
for my emotions to come down and me to feed upon the truth. Then in that process, I believe the truth will bring freedom to our soul. You're saying truth as in the word of God. Uh, Yes. I think you can also look at fact because thought and fact can be different because thought is a story that you're creating from facts. So facts are very objective. It is it is what has happened. And um, I think you taught me this about asking yourself questions because your mm-hmm. brain will immediately look for an answer. And Joel, you're really good at this when something is, when someone is kind of swirling is you act, you ask objective questions. Tell me the information. What has happened? What did they say? What, because once we start processing fact, the emotions can come down a little bit because the story that we have told that may have been exaggerated or not exactly truthful, it the light speak the thinking brain, the logic brain starts to kick on to where we can say, okay, I'm feeling big feelings. But when you ask me this question of, okay, tell me what happened, you tell them what happened. And then you, you <laughs> like immediately logic begins to kick in because you're telling yourself objective facts or truth of what has happened. So it is, it's the practice of controlling your mind of taking back control and take thoughts captive. Yes. And the Bible says that we have a sound mind. Sound mind means controlled. It means self-control. So it's, um, it's not letting your mind run wild, but starting to come back and ask the questions. Okay. What has happened? Not, not all the emotions that came with what has happened. What happened? What did they actually say? Did you ever talk with someone and they're all upset about this person and what this person thinks of them and what this person did? And you say, tell me what they said. And they say, well, (laughs) this is what they said. And I go, okay, now tell me how you got from these words (laughs) to this reaction. Because what's happening in your story is a lot different from the story I would tell from those words. So you just, and listen, we all do this. It's not like you're a crazy person. (laughs) We all tell the stories. We all make the assumptions. So it's just looking at things objectively, maybe bring another person in, say, hey, this is what I'm, I'm freaking out. Tell me what you think when you hear this. Now, that might not always work out because that person might do the same thing that you do and you just end up in a bigger mess. But <laughs> if you have a person like uh, like our wise Pastor Joel over here who can ask objective questions, <laughs> then that's a great time. Maybe you're, you know, husband and wife dynamic where one tends to go one way and the other goes the other way. That's a great time to utilize partnership in your differences. Um, so it's just a lot of inviting logic in, inviting thinking in, inviting um, objective, you know. I will also add in. that this battle is worth fighting, especially if you have children. Yeah, um, for sure. Because I've seen children live in a state of uncertainty and fear because how their parents react. Yeah, exactly. And if you want healthy kids, you got to create a space where it's safe secure where they can grow and mature. So if if you are a parent that reacts in this way, I would challenge you to really fight this battle with a lot of passion because there's more on the line than your personal feelings. It's the health of your children as well. 
Aaron and I got an opportunity to go down and do the swim with the dolphins thing. And there was this lady there with her son, and she was just so fearful. I'm thinking, you paid money to do this late. <laughs> like, it was pretty and, clear what you signed up for. Yeah, just terrified of just touching the the dolphin and doing all this stuff. And then uh, her son wasn't fearful at all. And, and she was like, be careful, be careful. You know, and I could see it in the kid's face of like, well, one, you're embarrassing me. Uh, <laughs> but also it's like, I felt like he was like, this is my life. Yeah. And I could feel his pain kind of thing. And then there was a, a time where you put your hands out and then they put the the dolphin puts their, I don't know, it's not a beak, but what, it's <laughs> mouth? mouth? It's mouth, uh, <laughs> mouth. Um, in your hands. And then you can put your face down and like, have it kiss your face, whatever, you know. And when I went up to do this, I felt like a, a feeling of fear. Like, and it wasn't, and I just said to myself, they have done this about <laughs> 10 million times. And if they had one that was a biter, <laughs> <laughs> they probably wouldn't be doing this anymore. So, I got up. I did it. I went in right away. No fear. Held the fish. Or is it a dolphin. fish? Dolphin. Yeah, ma'am. I don't know. <laughs> and they took the picture and all that stuff. And I go back and the lady's like, you did that so easy and blah, blah, blah. Like, And she was still flipping out about me being so calm about it. But even though I had a tinge, like I'm used to, okay, this is the reality of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just did it. Did I necessarily feel comfortable? Like this is a 600 pound animal. <laughs> now, I, like I said, I had to tell myself this is a trained animal. Yeah. You know, but I, I felt the, the fear of the unknown. Yeah. But mm -hmm. I did it anyways because I've been in the practice of speaking truth to myself, looking at the facts and taking it easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That... Going back to the Corinthian scripture, it says, and bring into captivity every thought. And what that means is uh, to capture one's mind. And that's exactly what you yeah. did because our minds will want to- But it's something to... that I've been doing for a long time. Yeah, it's a practice. Yes. Do you yes. practice that over time, your automatic way of processing thought will be, all right, I'm feeling this intensity of emotion right now. Oh, my feelings just got hurt there. I could feel that hurt when they said or did this. Oh, you know, it made me feel devalued or whatever. You know, any little emotion that comes in, stop and just say, first of all, is this productive for me to feed on this? Because I don't even know the answer to those questions. Someone said something, it hurt my feelings. They don't know that they hurt my feelings. Mm-hmm. So what am I going to do about it? Am I going to allow it to create a wall? Or I'm going to say, Melody, just get over yourself. Capture your own mind. Yeah. You know, just let it go. And for some people, go. that's a new thought, really. it, it, But it is healthy because if I'm living in a world where, um, do you ever have sunburn? Yes. And anyone gets around and you don't touch me, don't touch me, don't get near me or whatever, you know, they come close to give you a hug. No, 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 don't hug me. And we're, we're living on the edge because we're hurting. 
you know, we, we are so easily, our skin is very thin. Our skin is very sensitive. Our emotions are, are volatile. And uh, if we can just stop, and as you said earlier, if we ask that question, is, is this a battle worth fighting in my mind? Absolutely not. This will just sap all my emotional energies that I have for the whole day. I'll just suck it all up in the next half hour and I'll be emotionally drained. It won't get anything done the rest of the day. It's going to consume my time. It's going to take away my productivity. Um, but just, just by doing that, we have just exercised the muscles of our mind brain to rewrite some stories, as it were. We've exercised the muscles of our mind to choose to lean towards that which gives life rather than what's in darkness, you know, to be light rather than step into those dark places of the soul and to make an assumption that some, and honestly, I can't think of any individual in my life that purposely would choose to hurt me. I can't think of one. Have I been hurt? Yes. But I don't believe they did it premeditatedly. How can I hurt Melody? <laughs> I'm going to say this and this will really get to her. No, I, my life is surrounded by beautiful, wonderful people. And somebody could be having a bad day or somebody can let something slip and it might even be their reality at the moment. But am I going to live with that sunburn of the soul? You know, because if I feed on that, that's not healthy for me. And then I can wait to the right moment because it's not controlling me. I can wait for that right moment where I can sit down and say, do you remember when you said that? Tell me how you were feeling on that day because I know that wasn't your heart. So I have addressed it, but I addressed it at the right time with the right spirit. I didn't make a mountain out of a molehill. And I have learned through the years that there is probably one time out of 50 that I ever even address. Yeah, I was going to say a lot of times you probably have already moved on. <laughs> exactly, because it... It has no power over me. And um, and I'm not saying it's always an instantaneous thing I have to do. You know, you ask, okay, let's ask these questions. Let's process through. Because our emotions, like you can feel it. Did you, somebody ever say or do something or you experience something and it hits? Somebody slams on their brakes in front of you. You feel that adrenaline rush and you go to protect the person in the passenger seat and you don't have somebody in the passenger seat, you know, all this stuff. And you you recognize why you felt that adrenaline rush. Yeah. And so you let yourself calm down. Yeah. And just recently, I, I have gone through, it was a practical thing, it wasn't any relational thing, but I went through something that really, really wanted to take the front seat of my thoughts. And it wasn't, it wasn't healthy to do that. And I just kept going, Lord... I'm capturing my mind right now and I'm submitting it to the Lordship of Christ. I have no power to do anything about this. I am powerless. So I rest in your power. Yeah. You know, in the natural, I'm powerless. But I don't have to beg you to do for me something you've already done. 
I don't have to beg for provision when I've already got it. I don't have to beg for healing or restoration when I've already got it. And so I took my focus off of that thing that I felt powerless to change because I was powerless to change it and submitted it to an all-powerful God. We can do that in relationships and and that thing tried to come back three or four times every day until it was resolved. Yeah. And but that's the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We're going to have these battles. This is a part of humanity. This is a part of life where we can But if I would have fed on it, it would have been catastrophe. I would have been preparing my funeral. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we can do this. It's like, what am I going to choose to think on? You know, if I'm going to fight a battle, I'm going to fight a battle for victory, not for defeat. Yeah. One thing that is scary about this question for me is if you tend to make molehills into mountains... What happens when a mountain, you uh, have to face a mountain? Oh, that's a good point. Help that's why it's really important to get this under control. Stop feeding the beast, you know, take control of your thoughts. Because the truth is, this is reality. We're going to face a mountain. We're going to face a giant at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe that you're you're like this because you faced a lot of mountains. So, uh, so I would say seek healing, find restoration, and the thing I talked about earlier about uh, the triggers, the predictability of that trigger, uh, the fact is sometimes at whatever age, you know, my age, okay, so I'm 67 years old and the trigger happened when I was two. Yeah. How many years am I going to allow that to trigger me? I have to fight this fight of faith. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it'll control me for the rest of my life. And I'm so grateful for the the mercy and the power and the beauty of what we have in God because it's the goodness of God that changes the way we think. The goodness of God leads us to repentance, which is changing the way we think. So it's God's goodness. One experience of his goodness and his mercy and his love and his presence. Each each time, every time in the middle of worship, I experience the presence of God. That's his goodness that I can partner with the way I think. Lord, what I experienced when I was praying yesterday, Lord, that encounter with you, is a weapon of warfare I'm going to hold on to today. And just take every moment of what God has ever done and allow them to be memorial markers of his goodness. And that'll help us go into this warfare with weapons that don't come from my ability, but come from who God is in the midst of me. So I got out of the psychological into the (laughs) spiritual a little bit, but yeah, we need both of them. I mean, you have to look at that track record and say, how many times is it a catastrophe? There. When you think that it is at first, how many times does it end? And that's where that journaling exercise can really come in. But like, even like what you were saying about you and the dolphin, Joel, like that instinct of fear is a very natural response. That's actually a healthy, self-protective. Yeah. It is a healthy yeah. response. It was a Physical. new experience. Like that was an emotion of fear that was not demonic. That was very natural. It was God 
created. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what you did with it was the the gift of that fear was that you took the risk that you learned, like you took the risk and you at, at the end of it had a beautiful experience. So you could lean into the fear of not of letting it take over you and control you, or you could lean like push against the fear, not you could take the risk and then see how it turns out. Well, at the end of it, you didn't get attacked by a dolphin. (laughs) (laughs) So that's where you create that, like that, that new, uh, almost intentional thought. Okay. I felt the emotion. I made this choice. It turned out this way. So like kind of teach your brain. It doesn't always end in disaster. You just have to acknowledge that it doesn't always end in disaster. I thought it was going to, but it didn't. And just begin to tell your brain, it doesn't always end in disaster. Sometimes it ends up just fine. More times than not, it ends up just fine. Just give yourself that time, that permission to let things unfold. Um, and then be very like mindful of, of, not just moving on because if you just move Mm -hmm. on, Mm -hmm. the pattern will continue. But if you live through the process and then you say, okay, what happened? I thought it was going to go this way. This is what happened. It ended a different way and tell yourself, okay, sometimes it goes, it's fine. Sometimes the molehill is still a (laughs) molehill and you just begin to rewire your, your thought habits that to not always, you know, catastrophize. I love one thing you always say is, uh, God's already been in my future. Yeah. And that is something that you say that you rehearse that keeps you in, in a place of being able to deal with something that could be a mountain. He's yeah. already been in my future. It's my way of saying calm down. Yes. <laughs> Breathe, right? Calm down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you said um, it was a beautiful experience. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it was. <laughs> it was. It just it was. wasn't captured. You know, this is at Discovery Cove, if any of you are In wondering. Orlando. Orlando. <laughs> yeah. um, but they don't let you take your phone. They have a professional photographer that will take your picture. So after the thing, Aaron and I go back, and so we're like, let's look at these pictures. And if you know me, I don't smile very often in photos. In photos. photos. (laughs) Um, So we get back, and we're looking at these pictures, and it was $40 for one picture to buy a picture. And then they had a package for like four for $100 or something like that, and... And so Aaron was really battling because there's some good pictures of me. <laughs> and I'm like, the person is like, this is not worth $40. <laughs> and so they're hovering over you because they don't want you to take a picture of the picture kind of thing. And so um, I said, Aaron, look at these, seal them in your memory. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then as we're walking away, she's walking slow, and I know what that means. Like, can we go back? And, you know, I know I, I'm well, such a Scrooge. Well, the whole family would have been there, not just your family, our fam. You know, I would have go. We have to pull our money together to buy this. I was like, this is not worth it. You know, it's not. It was a good time. You know, um, but oh my, yeah, yeah, it was funny. Maybe not funny for some people. Or like, what? Are you? $40 for one photo is it's a lot. That's thank you. The, thank you. Disney I appreciate facts. that. I feel if you would have gone in a digital to where you could. Oh, no, that was like $250. for it a was. It, <laughs> I basically said $40 and a kidney. Like <laughs> anything else you want. Like, so I said, babe, seal it in your memory. And as we're walking out the thing, she's dragging her feet. I was like, nope. <laughs> nope. I said, I wonder if they have her name. So if if you feel so strongly about it, you know, when we get home, we can call or whatever. She didn't feel strongly about it then, I guess. <laughs> was it that important? Yeah. But they were some good pictures. I mean, I was in a wetsuit, so. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad. I'm just saying that's that was the setting. Um, but yeah, there were smiles. Like, are those going to be your Christmas card? Like you're not going to actually probably use that. We have a profile photo, like a Facebook profile. Well, it's funny because we got a picture of Aaron and I went to Bermuda. This was a long time ago, but we did this thing where you put these air helmets on and you're actually underwater and you could take pictures. The fish were so friendly that you could hold the fish. They were so used to it. And so we got a picture of me and Aaron holding this fish and blah, blah, blah. And we have it out on like on one of, you know, the bookshelves or whatever. And, and I said, how many times do you look at that? <laughs> and she's like, at least once a week. <laughs> I was like, I don't even remember when I thought about that. <laughs> I reminisce on that every week. I'm thinking, oh my. Gosh. Oh my. So now I feel bad. So, um, well, well, yeah. You so, surprise her birthday is coming up. Yeah. Oh, that. You would win. Ooh. You would win big points. So when I called Discovery Cove, gone, we were there four weeks ago. Yeah, I don't know that you could actually ago. do that, but if you could, I'm just telling you now that. Well, would she be listens a real to this win. podcast, so you just blew <laughs> it. <ruined> it. <laughs> well, we already talked Aaron, because please don't set your expectations for this. <laughs> we already talked because you know we want our kids to experience it as well. We actually left them at home, you know. With, with, super with, with supervision. Uh, yeah. So we went down by ourselves. And so we already talked. We're like, the younger two need to experience this. The older one could care less. So I, I've experienced it. So I don't need to come again. <laughs> and I can stay with him because, you know, he could care less. And, you know, Probably so. be like torture for him. Yeah. Him Who knows? He might, you know, he's. Yeah, but sorry to let you in on all that. Like, not that you probably even care. So, uh, personal uh, insight. Too much information. No, but I think are we going to skip our last question yeah. for this episode? Well, we could do a marathon. A you long, know, you yeah, mean a long, a two-hour one? Man, just <laughs> two hours. Well, I don't know that any of us had. Do you want to just do it? Oh, uh, yeah, let's do it. Let's do this thing. Let's <laughs> do shake it. it up a little bit. 
All right. Do you want me to read this? I don't think there's any big words in this one. Sure. <laughs> my kid. Oh, gosh. My kid is constantly lying to me. Now, remember, we have a baby boomer in this question, so we're going to try to avoid any violence towards our children. <laughs> my kid is constantly lying to me. I want them to know that I love them. Very millennial of you. I want them to know that I love them and they can tell me anything, but the lying is getting out of hand and I find, I find my anger and frustration getting the better of me. Understandable. Any advice? I mean, I don't have kids, so you have to understand that. <laughs> but I do think like that is very, that's a very hard thing because I do, I have friends with children and, um, I'm around parents with children. Um, and it's, I think, you know, it's one thing if you catch your kid lying once in a while, if you catch it being all the time, it can be scary as a parent, I would imagine, because, um, not only are you like, I don't know what's actually happening in my kid's life. That's scary. I don't know why they're doing this. <laughs> I don't know uh, why they feel like they can't tell me the truth. Like those would all, to me, I can imagine those would all be really scary, uh, unnerving things to feel as a parent. Like, why aren't they telling me the truth? So I do think it, it's, you know, if, it's, if this is a consistent thing to where they're lying to you more than they're telling you the truth, then yeah, you're looking at this thing, what, you know, what do I do? <laughs> and I do think um, there are lots of behavioral ways to start, which I'm guessing if you're at this point, you have already tried a bunch of those punishments, um, consequences. Um, I do like, I, I think if you've not done it, just actually having a conversation with that child and saying, um, well, first of all, like really calling out, like we have caught you in a lie because not like if it's something that you know that you know, like there is factual evidence that they have told you a lie, pointing it out because if they've gotten the habit is so developed to where they don't even know if they're lying or telling the truth, like it kind of like can can jolt that, oh, okay, there's there's evidence that I lied. <laughs> um, so they kind of are like, oh, okay, I... I did lie, even if they've told themselves that they didn't lie. But then also explaining when you do this, I don't know when I can trust you. I can't give you privileges because I don't know when I can trust you. I, um, it scares me when you do this and being very honest with them of the, the, not just the practical consequences, but the relational consequences that lying has. Well, you know, maybe it's affecting your friendships. It's affecting your, your relationships at school, those type of a thing. Um, I do think, I know this is, I'm not just saying this, but getting them into some kind of therapy where they can talk this out. Um, there, there may be behavioral, um, exercises or, or even cognitive exercises to help identify why they're doing this. Um, typically the reason we do things is because it's getting our needs met in some way, or we think it's getting our needs met in some way. Um, and, I will say, I don't think a, a parent is a bad parent if their kid is doing this. Um, it just means something's going on that we might not be able to see that we got to get to the bottom of. I know that's not a really, really helpful answer, but um, if you have access to some kind of uh, child therapist, it might be a, a place to go if you've tried everything you know how to try. There's, I'm sure all parents have come to a point where you're looking at your 
one of your kids or all of your something's not right. Yeah. <laughs> or like that doesn't seem healthy or I mean that's what parenting is. You got to try to lead them and guide them. And that goes back to that other question. If we're if we're an emotional wreck, mm-hmm. you know, dealing with us can maybe they're lying because of the uncertainty at home. And so you bringing some security at home could I'm not saying that because I don't know the situation. I'm just saying that could be uh, making changes in how you're responding could, you know, affect maybe why they're lying or not lying. Um, The question that I had with this was how old are they? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, my daughter, I remember in kindergarten, we had to have a teacher's conference because she was stealing in class. (laughs) She don't steal. She's not a thief. It was just a little... Uh, speed bump in the road. Yeah. We worked through it, and you know it was a little season. Um, it, it was funny because my—I don't know if he said it to us or we heard it through the grapevine from the other kids. But our youngest son said, "Yeah, I used to lie, but I never got caught. But I don't do that anymore." <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes they work it out on their own. You know, and like you said, sometimes every case is so different. Yeah. So this is kind of a yeah. a hard question. But I would also say if they are very young, nine times out of 10, if you are consistent with correction and encouragement and speaking into it, nine times out of 10, they're going to grow out of it or mature. Yeah. Okay. So if they're really young, now, if you have an older one, that's, that might be a little different story because then you're dealing with probably bigger lies. Uh, so if they are older, I would let them know that trust equals freedom. Mm, yeah. And that's what I talk to my kids about is that I want them to have as much freedom as their character or their capacity will afford them. So good. So I tell my kid, I want you to, I want you to be free as you can be, but it comes with us trusting your character trusting your capacity to handle it. It's like my one son is a saver. He could have a hundred dollars in his wallet and I want, he could go shopping and I won't care. My daughter might have $5 <laughs> in her wallet and we don't do not let her near five and below <laughs> because it will be gone. Right. And so because I know that the attribute of my son he has all the freedom. If he wants to carry his money, whatever. My daughter, I have to put a little more restriction on because I know where she's at at this point. So I let them know, I want you to have as much freedom as you can possibly handle. And my job as a parent is to know if you can handle it or not. And so like an example of this would be my kids with their school because we're doing cyber school. So they have to be personally motivated to do their stuff. And so if I see them doing that and them being proactive, then in this case, you have more media time or you have more time doing this, the things that you like to do. If I see that you could care less about schooling and keeping your grades up, then the freedom to do the things that you enjoy are less. And let me tell you what, there were seasons where, some of the kids didn't have much freedom at all. Yeah. But as they learn to manage their own freedom and steward their freedom well, guess what? I very rarely have to say, um, not as much time as before. Yeah. 
because they're learning how to steward the freedom. And the truth is they're going to have to figure that out because at some point they're not going to live under your roof. So it is your responsibility to teach your children how to handle freedom. Because what happens is if you are so controlling over them and you are micromanaging them, guess what? When they get out and they're not living under your roof or your rules, they're going to they're going to figure out things the hard way and they could really jump off the deep end because they never learned how to manage their freedom. Mm-hmm. And like I said before, that's, that's another reason why I wanted to take my kids out of an isolated environment because they need to experience a private, the, school. A private yeah. school, a private Christian school. Um, and not that those are wrong or bad or whatever, but I wanted them to be in situations where they would have to, act on their convictions. Mm -hmm. And so if you never give your children an opportunity, I know that this question is more about lying, but I think it goes back to if your kids are lying, you need to let them know, I am unable to offer freedom to you in some things. Let's say your kid's 16 and they're lying. Guess what? Those keys are mine. (laughs) Those car keys are mine. Yeah. And I want you to have as much freedom as you can possibly handle. So as you build trust, guess what? You're going to have more availability to do the things that are on your heart. So it is this working with them to, as a parent, to recognize they really can't handle this right now, but we're going to work towards where they can handle freedom. Because ultimately, I mean, I think, a healthy parent allows allows their children to spread their wings and fly at mm-hmm. some point. So that is the point to get your children to that place. More freedom, more liberty. And if they can learn how to do it in the confines of living at home, then what's going to happen when they, when they actually do have their own apartment and realize that food doesn't come with the fridge, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. That was all such good, good, good parenting advice. I just loved it, loved it, loved it. Do a much better and you're job. Like, I wish I would have known that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If Joel could have taught me those things when he was a kid, I would have been just a better didn't parent. Listen to me, okay? <laughs> oh my! Uh, I I don't really want to get into the whole lying thing right now, just because of the direction you went. That's what I was going to say. I don't really want to answer this question. Well, I was going to talk about if we can understand why they lied, we can go to the root rather than just addressing the fruit of the lie, but seeing why they lied, whether it was uh, fear of consequences, whether they were afraid they wouldn't fit in, whether they would get you upset, you know, all these different things. If you can see the reason they lied, then you're not just correcting that they lied. You're going to the root, which is, I think, so important. But what I wanted to say as you were talking, um, we all have to make decisions. And you were you were really focused on helping your children make the decisions so that they can be productive adults, mm-hmm. that they can have the quality of life. Because every decision every single one of us makes comes from two sources. One, an avoidance of pain. Or, secondly, the attraction of gain. 
So I either am going to run from that thing that causes me pain, whether I'm lying, whether I make a bad decision, I just don't want to hurt. So I'm, I'm avoiding pain at all costs and I'll make decisions that way. Or rising up, taking a risk. We talked earlier in a thing about you, Joel was willing to take that risk. So what was the gain? What was the attraction of gain there? Maybe that experience or whatever it might be. So it's we're either doing one of or the other, attraction to gain or avoidance of pain. And if we can understand in our own lives as well as our parenting or our grandparenting or our teaching or equipping someone, which one of those reasons is why they made that decision? And when we can see that, then it gives us the ability to help remove the fear of pain and equip them to have gain in healthy ways. Because someone might lie because they're, I want that second cook. Hey, do you already have a cookie? No, no, no. <laughs> it's because they wanted another one. That yeah. was, you know, the attraction to gain. And so you're going to be able to recognize which one of those sources drove them to do or act or function in any given way. And we can do this for our own lives. Why did I make that decision? That, that to me is super powerful. I don't think I've heard you say that before. But yeah, if you can start to break down or identify which one because I mean yeah like every kid's gonna lie to get something that they want mm -hmm. <laughs> like I mean maybe not every kid maybe not you know your oldest son but. and this isn't just children <laughs> this can be adults but it starts we start developing yeah. this these habits as a child but if it's the other one if it's the avoidance of pain if you can kind of identify okay like are are they not fitting in at school? Do they learn differently than other kids? Are they, mm -hmm. do they have a challenge that, that they are trying to compensate for? Um, are they not, you know, are, are I don't they not be feeling, rejected. are I they not feeling feel shame seen at home? Like, like, and I'm not trying to, I'm not saying that this is the case. This is all just hypothetical, but like if they're getting lost in the sauce of all the other kids or the kid that excels in school or the kid that's really social and this kid is not, like if, if they are trying to fill that, like they're avoiding that pain in some way, trying to identify that, um, to me, that would be a really powerful starting point because it's not often, the lying is not just something fun to do. They're, they're doing it. There's a, there's, there's a, a reason. Why. There yeah. is a reason behind it. And so, yes, you can like, you know, correct. And like we were joking before we started this episode, like in the, in your day, you would have <laughs> just beat it out of them. Right. <laughs> but the yeah. consequences for lying were much worse <laughs> than I could handle telling the truth. No matter what it was, yeah. we can work through it. But, but if you lie to me, you would, yep. You would beat beat it. Yeah, and them, I get the which switch. The clearly as a millennial, I can We don't do this, this anymore in today's society. <laughs> no. But and I never once spanked my grandkids, so. <laughs> but like so you can address it, you know, the immediate and there there does need they need to know there's consequences to actions. But getting I love those two that you said of of avoiding pain or uh, if pushing I, into gain. If I would have known what I know now when my kids were younger I would have been a much better parent sure Hindsight I was is just always 20 -20. I was just living out of my own avoidance of yeah. pain 
Which I or think, my, you know, being what, what yeah. person, what parent is perfect. So. Yeah. And you said like you, the question says about you find yourself getting frustrated and angry. Like, I think that's a pretty normal response. Well, that's what I was going to say. Give yourself a break. Yeah. It's like, hey, I've responded in anger and frustration. I'm sure every parent has. Yeah. So if you're trying to do it perfect, I mean, give yourself a break. Yeah. I, I also want to add, because we're really painting with broad strokes here. Yeah, that's good. I would suggest if you feel like this is a real problem, not just like an occasional thing or like something that you feel like you can work through on your own. If you feel like this is a real problem psychologically yeah. or uh, an emotional thing, you need to seek help. Yeah, mm. You need like I said, we're painting with broad strokes. Sometimes you got to get in there in the detail and and you need to find help for that and seek counseling or seek uh, pastoral care or whatever it is. Yeah. And um, that can be a hard thing to do. It can be a hard thing to navigate and depending on your beliefs and convictions and decisions yeah. for your family of whether you want to go, um, what route you want to go. But cognitive therapy, um, behavioral therapy um, are two good places to start. Start asking, ask the school what um, resources that they're aware of uh, if the child is in school or um, even, you know, ask your pastor or other leaders in your area what resources are available and maybe just start there. And it might take time to find the right solution. So don't get discouraged if right away you're like, well, they just wanted to do this and I don't agree with that. Well, that's okay. Just, just continue on the journey. Yeah. I also want to add, because I was talking about helping them steward freedom, one of the important aspects of that is you must allow them to experience consequence. Yeah. A lot of times parents want to say something and then back out on the, the consequence, and that's just going to teach them, yeah, mom and dad will let me off or, or, yeah. or they'll bail me out in this situation. Uh, Aaron one time says, why do the kids, like, when you say it, they listen? <laughs> well, because when I say it, it will happen. Like, the Lord, my word does not return to me. <laughs> <laughs> and even to my own, I'm joking in that. So if you're offended with that, I'm sorry for you. Uh, like, how can I put this? If I say it, and sometimes I say it, and I cringe because I'm going to have to walk this out. Yeah, yeah. There's times where I was saying, yeah, you have to no keep media your for a week. And I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, my word, what am I doing to myself? Because I got to keep it because of they need to know that if I set the boundary, I'm not going to move it. Yeah. And so guess what? When I say something, they know that I mean it and they know that I'll follow through. And even though they might not like it, it also gives them a sense of safety yes. and security that if I say something in a di disciplinary faction, fa fashion, fashion, when I say other things, they can trust that as well. Yeah. So I would say if you're going to help them steward their freedom, you have to keep your word if you say something or if you address something that's really even to your own hurt so be very careful <laughs> with what you say or the boundaries that you set up because you need to keep them as well yeah and and um i guess along with that is just making it clear like in this family we tell the truth 
And that's not just to combat lying, but that's also to say uh, when something happens, we tell the truth. We're honest about it. So if if you're getting bullied, if you're feeling this way, if you're, we tell the truth. And yeah. so just kind of making that, that a culture that good, bad, or ugly in this family, we tell the truth. That's the, that is an important value of this family. Um, and so we can address things when we know that, when we know what's true. And so I guess it's both side of yeah. not just, not just to address the lying, but to heighten the value of truth and and the consequences of truth that things actually can get resolved that we can actually work through things that um the need might actually be able to get met in a healthier more productive way and if you're gonna cultivate your children if you're gonna create a culture with them consistency is key for some kids it might take them 18 years of their life to get it some never do that's a reality some take seven days, right? That's a reality too. Like when my parents had Rebecca, this is a perfect child. And they <laughs> had another We'd one. We'd say no and she'd never try it. <laughs> and they no, had me. And, uh, and, and now they say, our children are so wonderful. We wish we had more. <laughs> it's so true. It's like God has, was so merciful, our imperfect parenting and... It, such amazing kids and so let that be a note to you parents yeah as as uh rough as you think you might be doing yeah (laughs) you're probably doing better than you think yeah i want to say one one addition to when you were talking about keeping your word to your kids if you say Mm -hmm. you won't have media for a week Mm -hmm. you keep that because we were talking about lying if you say you won't have media for a week and you only they only lose it for six hours, then you've just lied to them. Yeah. So you're just saying you're lying. That it's okay. Yeah, that yeah. it's that okay. That's part of yeah, the because you, yeah. Didn't keep, you didn't keep your word, even though they might like that you didn't keep your word on that. Yeah. The fact is you still didn't tell the truth. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying this with the lying situation, but I find that the things that irritate you with your children come from you. <laughs> like there's something yeah. that my kids do and I was like, oh, that, oh, I want to jump on that. I was like, I do that all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or I would say it like Aiden is very harsh with this communication. That is something that I need to work on as well, too. So when I hear him communicate to the kids or his siblings, I'm like, yeah, I probably it irritates me that he's doing it, but I would have probably <laughs> done the same thing. Actually, the running joke in our house with Aaron and I is like, if they're acting crazy or doing something, it's their children. Hey, your kid is doing this. (laughs) I just heard somebody do that out in the wild somewhere and the spouse went, gee, thanks. (laughs) For us, it's a joke, but it's like, whatever. Yeah, your child did this today. (laughs) Well, wow. This, this is, I think, our a, longest this podcast. Might be a record-setting, yeah, length episode here. I guess we had to start out the new year with. <laughs> well, if you if a you listen to the, this point, now it's kind of too late for this advice, but I would say take it in bite size. But really, when I think about that advice, it's really too late for that advice because yeah. <laughs> yeah. they're already here. It's a moot point at this. This a time. mute point. A moot point. A point. <laughs> Why did you do that? 
Well, you told me about mom did that. (laughs) No, no, I have to explain it. Do you remember that? You would say um, um, mute. (laughs) You're not the only one. Lots of people say mute point. It's not mute point, everybody. It's moot moot point. M-O-O-T. Yes. (laughs) Just a little uh, pet peeve of mine, I guess. (laughs) Okay. Words is done. (laughs) Words Words is done. done. Hey, they're they're jumping on the (laughs) bandwagon. Hey. All right. Thanks, everybody. Oh, I think we should say something about like our stuff. Rate, review, oh. subscribe, follow. Share with a friend. All the things. Yeah. It really matters. It does. We appreciate it. Partner with us to get the word out. We notice when you're not doing it. So yeah. if you could step your game now. <laughs> <laughs> Make this a part of your New Year's resolution. <laughs> yeah. No, it really does matter. So we would very much appreciate it if you would uh, rate us, give us a, a review of five star. what this podcast, yes, five star, of what this podcast uh, is to you. If it's a fun time, if it's an insightful time, whatever it is to you. All right. Words is done. Yay. <laughs> woo, woo, woo. <laughs> See you next week. Thanks for listening to Life Exchange. We'll be back next week with more conversation on topics of life and leadership. Until next time, be sure to check out our website at givinglight.org, where you can learn more about our church and access loads of resources to help you grow in your walk with God and people. If you like what you heard today, we'd be grateful if you leave a five-star review and share with your friends. Be blessed. Remember to shine your light and have a great week. Thank you.